0: If you were here last week, um, I uh, started a two-part series that kind of came together last Wednesday morning when I was praying about how to resolve conflict, and uh, it just so happened that I didn't realize that I had to preach again tonight, and so why not do a two-part series? And did y'all enjoy last, uh, Wednesday? It was good. Y'all got something out of it. How many of you had a conflict already that you used, um, one, two, and three already, you know? And so tonight, uh, we're just going to continue in that vein. And, uh, we just feel like a handout is a good tool for you to keep and, uh, you can take it home, make copies and actually use. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here tonight. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is alive and well. And we just ask that you open up our ears
1: to hear, Lord, how to resolve conflict in our life. May we
0: hear your voice tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I shared a quote with you last week. By the way, we're going to do a very quick recap, but I shared a quote that says this, Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. That was good. <laughs> so it was definitely worth... You know, conflict is inevitable, right? We, we know we all have it in our lives, whether it's in the workplace, at home, even here at church, there is conflict wherever we go. And it involves misunderstandings, it involves hurts, Uh, um, um, anger, emotions, uh, disputes, even crossed boundaries. We talked a little bit about that last week. And so what we discovered was that there was one word that's the goal of conflict. Do y'all remember what that word is? I I can't hear you. Peacemaking. That's what we discovered last week. And very quickly, it says this in Mark 5, 9, it says, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So we learn that that word peacemaker is the ultimate goal whenever we come involved in a conflict. And we learned a little something else about in James, it says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds. And so what we did last Wednesday was plant three seeds on how and what conflict looks like and how we can resolve conflict as a peacemaker. And so what I want to do is just share with you that the, the first uh, seed that we planted was you make the first move when it comes to conflict. In other words, you initiate, don't delay. You go to the person, you call the person, you set up a meeting. You're the one who's going to initiate that. And we look very closely at that. We also looked at... Okay, well, how do we get the courage to do that? And we looked at, and it was revealed to us, that the Holy Spirit is our encourager to take that first step. Because the first step is not easy, right? Have you ever been there where you, do I, do I not? Well, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, He's our comforter, but He's our nudger, okay? That's not in the Bible, that's Rob's version, He's a nudger. He will nudge us to the point of, Take the first move. Amen. Number two, we looked at the second seed was ask God for wisdom, right? And we found it right in James. You know, you you need wisdom to know uh, the timing of the meeting, right? We, We need to know how to approach the person. Because how many of you have ever done it the wrong way? That it was not in God's timing and the approach was not right and it failed miserably. And so we learn that God is here to help us and, and grant us and give us the wisdom and the timing and even, even the place where it needs to happen, right? And God will orchestrate all of that for us because He gives to us abundantly, He gives to us happily, and He gives to us willingly. And the third thing we talked about was, the third seed was, begin with what's your fault. Don't let them start the conversation. You say, hey, you know what? Even if it's
1: 99% their issue,
0: say, hey, Joe, look, brother, I, I, I want to start the meeting off with,
1: man, I'm sorry.
0: It's, it's my fault. I should have. You, you know what I'm saying? And so those, you remember those three things we talked about and we went into depth because what happens is we become self-centered when it comes to conflict. <clears throat> and, and what happens, we talk about pride. <clears throat> well, they need to start. They need to be the initiator. It's all their fault. I No, no, they, they need to be the one. And no. And we even talked about, remember we talked about, um, let, let's, let's take a marriage, for example, right? You have two people on the opposite end. Let, gave the example. I said, Rob and Michelle, I'm an early riser. I'm like, let's get it on. I don't need coffee. Let's go. Michelle's like, could, could you just be a little bit more quiet in the morning, but she's a night person, right? And we talked about two people who, have, uh, who are at opposite ends of the spectrum with some silly things, you know what I'm saying? There, there's, there's differences, but sometimes the most impactful and the most powerful change is when you take two people who are at opposite ends and you bring them together and they're resolving conflict together and they have the most victory in their life. Amen? And then we talked about, uh, I gave a little quote, unresolved conflict is postponed freedom. Postponed freedom. If we don't resolve it, it's going to happen, and it's going to continue to happen, and it's going to get passed on to the next generation. So here we are. We're at point number four, our seed number four. So what's the goal of conflict? Oh, come on, people. What's the goal of conflict? Thank you. There will be a quiz at the end of tonight. It's peacemaking. We have to keep that at the forefront. And before I get into seed number four, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. There was an old English gentleman who lived in the back
1: country in the hills of London. And one day, he was on a train. And right next to him were two ladies who were arguing about the window. One says, I'm going to die of heat stroke unless it's opened. And the other said, I'm going to die of
0: ammonia pneumonia if it's opened. And so, Here are these two ladies. One wanted it closed and one wanted it opened. And this old Englishman is about to lose his mind. And so the lady said, we're going to get the conductor to solve and resolve this conflict. So the conductor came over and he couldn't do a thing. And the old Englishman just threw his hands up and said, I've got the solution. He says, we're going to keep it closed and you're going to die. And then I'm going to open it and you're going to die. And then we're going to have peace.
1: (laughs) Keep that story in your back pocket. So number four is this. And if you have your notes, it's
0: this. The fourth seed is listen for their hurt and their perspective. Two words. Listen for their hurt and their
1: perspective perspective. How many of you know that in a conflict there is always hurt? You know what I'm saying? Somebody feels that emotion of hurt. When people feel that they're not being listened to, they shut down. Have you experienced that yourself?
0: or been in a conflict where the other person shuts down. And so the end result is, if they shut down, it will throw a monkey wrench in what you're trying to accomplish. So in peacemaking, we have to exhibit some listening skills to be able to hear them so that they feel heard.
1: How many of you have ever heard that? Let me give you a couple of examples. If you're a salesman, you don't go to a
0: sales call and just promote the product. The best way would be is to go in and find out what the needs of the people are, the needs of the company. So you ask questions and you listen to what these needs are, right? If you're a teacher and you know that you've got a couple students who are struggling, you don't just keep going with the lesson, you stop, right? Because you want to listen to what the struggles are so that you can maybe tweak how you're teaching or maybe give them some help after school. So we've got to to listen to these emotions very carefully. In fact, James tells us and gives us sort of a formula. He says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But what do
1: we do? We're quick to speak, don't we? And we're so slow to listen. And then we have got
0: fireworks after fireworks after fireworks. James says, if you do the first two right, you're going to avoid some conflict. You're going to avoid having to resolve the conflict. You're going to avoid some anger issues, right? Let me tell you this. If we bypass listening and you're so quick to speak... You're not hearing their side of the story. You're not hearing their perspective, right? They will become devalued. And it's going to be a transition of nothing but unheard feelings. And those unheard feelings do not go away. It's like carrying out, carrying luggage everywhere you go and not getting rid of that baggage. Someone said, being unheard
1: is the loneliest place on earth. How I many of you know, anyone can talk, but not everyone can listen.
0: In fact, Philippians 2.4 gives us sort of the direction of how to listen better. He says this, each of you should look. Everybody say, look. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That word look, this is cool. I didn't know this. It comes from the Greek word scopos, S-C-O-P-O-S. It's We get the word microscope. What does a microscope do? Remember from your days of what, chemistry, biology? I didn't like those classes. But you had to look through a microscope to, you can't see it with the naked eye. But once you get the power of that microscope, you're able to see exactly what you need to see. So Scopus forces us to focus on exactly what we have to do, and that is to look at the need of the other person and the needs of the other person. Rather than saying, man, they have a long way to go.
1: Maybe we can focus on, look how far they've come. Listen, we have to seek to understand before we seek to be understood. How do we do that? Why did God give us two ears and one mouth? I think there's a reason, right? Because he
0: wants us to slow down, take a chill pill, and listen intently to the other person's perspective, okay? Let me give you just some, what I would call very practical listening skills that I think could help us, amen? Listening is a crucial component of good communication. It's actually a gift that you can give to the other person. You can give to your spouse. You can give to your children. You can give to your coworkers or whomever you have conflict with. It's a great way to honor the other person
1: by just waiting to share your side of the story and listening to theirs. Amen. And let me just share this,
0: that active listening skills don't just happen overnight. I get that. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of intentionality to be focused on them and, 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 and their eyes and the words that are coming. And not in your mind focusing on what your response is going to be back or how you're going to fix the problem. Guys, we're like that, aren't we? We've already got the problem fixed before your wife has already said what she's had to say. That's not what she wants. She doesn't want a fixer. She wants the heart of you to listen, right? Same thing with other people in your life. So we have to have good active listening skills, great listening communication. It it shows a lot of respect to the person. Now listen, you're going to get your chance to have your say, okay? But if we start out with being quick to listen, it's going to go well.
1: To listen also is to love. To show the other party that you have some skin in the game
0: and and you're you're after peacemaking because that's the ultimate goal. Amen. So number four, got to listen to their hurt. And we also have to listen to their perspective, okay? Are you ready for the fifth
1: seed? V is for validation. V is for validation. Validation is just simply acknowledgement. You've listened to
0: their side of the story. You've listened to their needs. And
1: the next thing that you have to do is acknowledge what you just heard. It's to let the other
0: person know that what they have to say is indeed important. Right? So acknowledgement is really two parts. It's, it's repeating back what you've just heard. And you can even do this. You can say... Baby, what I heard you say is that way they know that what they just said is being listened to and it's being acknowledged. So it's repeating back, but it's also reflecting back what you just heard.
1: Here we go. Baby, what I heard you say is, and I understand your side now. See, that's repeating back and reflecting back. My name is Rob and I'm your friend. I'm just letting you know
0: (laughs) of some things that can help us. Acknowledging the other person provides them validation that they're important
1: and that their feelings are above anything that you can ever imagine. Amen? Did y'all agree with that? So what's the goal for conflict? So we
0: have to validate if we're going to do become a peacemaker. Number six, choose wise words. So now the ball is in your court. You have listened, right? And now it's your turn to speak.
1: How many times have you said something that you wish you hadn't? See, when the opportunity presents itself, you're going to have an open door to be able to share your words. But we have to choose these words of, as the Bible says, seasoned as salt, right?
0: With grace. And I believe one of the best <laughs> verses on choosing wise words is this. It's found in Proverbs twelve eighteen. reckless words pierce like a sword.
1: But the tongue of the wise. Brings healing. You know, the tongue can be a very destructive. organ of our body. And reckless words can bring a halt to. A meeting where you're trying to resolve conflict. Reckless words have no boundaries. And therefore,
0: it's recommended by a host of counselors is you want to set some boundaries of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And actually make a list and discuss this with the other person. Hey, let's set a boundary here that that we're not going to say you never or you always or that was a stupid answer or that is all your fault or shut up. Reckless words leave a trail of wounds.
1: And reckless words leave scars that sometimes stay with us for a very long time.
0: Proverbs 15:23 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul
1: and healing to the bones. I think if we would just make
0: very conscious decisions (laughs) while we're listening and then it's our turn to speak and not fight back to win the argument, you know what I'm saying? Or to win the conflict. I think if we can choose some pleasant words and not reckless words, you're going to see more conflict resolution than you've ever seen before. Amen? If you say it offensively, it will be received defensively. Right? If you come across... Very strong, like you're trying to prove your point as if you were in a court of law, it will not be taken well.
1: And this goes for parents as well. When you start yelling at the kids, they're not
0: hearing pleasant words. All they're hearing is your emotions come out.
1: You are never persuasive when you're being abrasive amen again my name is rob and i'm your friend just
0: trying to help you here to resolve some conflict
1: here's the other thing about pleasant words and reckless words um have you ever watched on tv Let's
0: just take this person. The president of the United States put blame on something in the country against another uh, party. Have you ever seen or heard one party put blame on the other for the economy, or let's say,
1: or the lack of? Have you ever heard that? It's called the blame game. And it seems like the only thing
0: that comes out of our nation's capital is nothing but pointing the finger and blaming.
1: So it seems to me that it's only kind of natural that we kind of follow them. I think we got to cut that.
0: Listen, I I can't change Washington, D.C., but I can change me and my house. Amen. And and the way I handle conflict at work or maybe conflict uh, somebody here or maybe even conflict at home. A lot of times I don't even turn on the TV because I know what's coming,
1: especially during election time. Even oh, candidates are doing it. They're, they're putting the blame. And as peacemakers, we have to use our words and our tongue as an instrument of healing. How many of you have ever heard this? It's not only what you say, it's how you say it. Man, is that so true. How many times have you got into a conflict or an
0: argument, and just because of something that you said inflated it so much that it shut everything down, and there was no resolution to the conflict? So, I have some what I would call speaker-listener techniques that I'd like to give you that I think could work in your life. Are you all good with this? Y'all, y'all want to hear this or you want to shut it down and go home?
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> Things to consider. How many of you talk fast? Come on, come. Yeah, I hear, I see one, right? Yeah, come on, yeah.
0: How about this? How about we just slow down with our communication? And being clear on who has the floor, so to speak. Because in speaker listener techniques, if you've got two speakers, you ain't going anywhere. One has to speak and one has to listen, but if you're going both at it. And so I would recommend to slow down a little bit to prevent misunderstandings. In fact, most conflicts do not get resolved because you have two speakers who are going at it and they have no resolution. Here's another technique that you can do with a little speaker-listener technique is if you feel like you're not getting positive traction, you can call a timeout, you know, like a coach does. Hey, I'd like to call a timeout. Can we come back in, let's say, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour,
1: and maybe... Calm down a little bit and, and hit the reset button, okay? If the other person has the floor and you're speaking, excuse me, they're speaking, um, don't interrupt because
0: they will get more frustrated and more offended and, and you're not peacemaking. <laughs> you got to learn how to compromise a little bit. So if, if they're speaking, they have the floor, and so I would recommend just to not interrupt, okay? The other issue, and I mentioned this earlier, is how many of you are problem solvers? You like to solve problems. You cannot be in that mode of problem solving
1: while you're in conflict. Have you ever tried it and noticed that it does not work? I mentioned earlier you're already
0: in your mind already. You've got the three steps that you're whatever needs to be doing,
1: and it's it just it, it 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 doesn't go well, and there's no end to the
0: conflict. And so I would just recommend that you pause the problem solving and ramp up the technique of being sensitive and courteous and giving them the floor. And then when they take a breath and you realize, okay, they're they're at the end of their comp, then then it's your turn. And so it goes both ways. Amen. Y'all good with this? I would also recommend how many of you are long winded? And you just keep, like to energize a bunny, you just keep going and going and going. And it's like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. And when I come back from a nap and I get out of the gumbo hot tub, I, I'll listen. No, you can't do that. I would recommend some just short sentences and maybe some chunky sentences. And, and, and I remember somebody saying this, stick to the issues, stick to the issues and not deviate. Oh, here. Oh, this is impromptu. How many of you ever heard the scripture, love keeps no record of wrongs? That word record is a bookkeeping term that says literally this. Remember the old days of bookkeeping? It was the old binder with the columns, the accountant kind of bookkeeper kind of person, you know. You, let's say seven years ago, you could go back in time and pull out a record of what accounts payable was in June of 2012, right? Because it was a permanent record. Love says you can't go back in time and pull something that they said yesterday to use as ammunition
1: to win the argument. That's what love says. Love says you can't go
0: back in time and pull something out of the hat that they said, whether it was yesterday, two years ago, 20 years ago, and pull it out and use it as ammunition to win the conflict. That was a free one right there, okay? I take donations, $22, $23 drive. But use short sentences and stick to the issue and don't go back in time and pull something out, amen? And here is, it's important. Again, it's speaker listening. When you say something, let them who are listening paraphrase what you're saying. Just to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Amen. Man, I think if couples who are getting married, are about to get married, have this stuff, I, I, I think we could salvage and see some successful marriages. How about you? We're doing good on time. All righty. So, just a recommendation. After saying a sentence or two, let them paraphrase. You don't want to give them the entire novel. If you're like me, my brain can only handle one sentence at a time. One period or one comma. That's all I can handle, okay? Guidelines for the listener. Focus on what you're hearing. Focus on the message. What is... What are they really saying?
1: And it's okay to ask questions, but focus on what they are saying. As well as don't offer your opinions. You have to let them say what's on their mind. Y'all good so far? So, what's the goal of conflict? Number seven. And we're going to land the plane here in a little bit. The seventh
0: seed. We want to turn the corner and reestablish the relationship. We want to turn the corner, okay? You've taken the initiative. You've asked God for wisdom, right? What's the third one? Somebody tell me. It's on your notes, people. What's the number three? And then we go to step number four or seed number four, seed number five, seed number six. So you've both had the opportunity to speak, you've both both have the opportunity to listen. You feel like you've you've been heard, you feel like they've been heard. And now it's like you're you're rounding third base and you see home plate. So we've got to turn third base and reestablish the relationship. Amen. And so we're gonna read a passage of scripture here, and I want us it's several verses. It's like maybe three or four verses. <clears throat> Anytime you see or hear the word reconcile, reconciled, reconciliation, um, reconciling, I want you to yell out like the first time you hear the word, yell out one. And then the next time you hear it, blue would, would be the next number, brother. Dose. Thank you so much. So can, can y'all help me with this? So when you see that, just yell it out. Number one. Then we're going to move to number two. Here we go. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 16 through 19. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in his way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of? That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against Him. And then He has committed to us the message of, how many times? Four times in three verses do we see that word of reconciliation or reconciling or reconcile. When someone is writing a letter or emailing you or texting you and uses four words within three sentences, the same word four times,
1: it means something big. Amen? So I'm the coach, and I'm going to
0: blow the whistle. We're going to take a sidebar from this Scripture. And I want to just tell you, the American Heritage Dictionary states that to reconcile means to reestablish a close relationship between people to settle or resolve. So you get the picture. To reconcile means to reestablish the relationship. So what that's saying is that if your goal and you attained and you're reestablishing or reconciling, the conflict, that what was
1: causing the conflict has gone away. So. Can everyone see this? What, what is it? Cross. Miss Cassie and Pastor Brandon gave me this last week, and I'm a woodworker, and so this is mine, and you can't have it. I love, 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 love. when I opened this at our staff Christmas party the other day i was I was blown away because. It represents who I serve, and it was built with hands. And so I have it in my office, and I thought this would be a great segue into sort of putting closure on this little two-part series that I had. When we talk about reconciliation, and and I'm going back to the scripture, we have to understand that at one point, man fell away from God. And Jesus came along and did something to reconcile us back to the Father. And it was at the cross where that took place. Do y'all realize that? The beatings, the torture. By the way, did you know that he was offered a narcotic called GALL, G-A-L-L, to kind of like our morphine or narco, to take the edge off when he was on the cross. But he refused it. It was his way of handling conflict that he was in. The basic meaning of reconcile here in Scripture Is this to change thoroughly? It refers to what Jesus did for each one of us that have accepted Him as our Savior. Because of what He did, we can have life. And what does Scripture say more abundantly? And it was through the cross that he overcame conflict. If you think about it, his entire ministry was about conflict. His disciples were always around conflict. Basically, that's what you see in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all the conflicts that he had. And so I just want to say this, the person who reconciles us to God is Jesus, and where that happened was at the cross. And if you are a true follower of Christ, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation because of this. It's not for the super-Christians or the elite. It is for every born-again believer. And it is our duty to not only to show the world that ministry of reconciliation,
0: but to show the person that we're in conflict with of who our Savior is. And to let them
1: know that through this conflict, together, we're going to be changed thoroughly. Because that's what the word means. And what happens is, honestly, in conflict, I've been there. I want the window up. I want the window closed. I'm going to
0: die of of pneumonia. I'm going to die. It's like
1: we're, we're losing sight of this because all we see is a window that we want opened or closed. And I wonder. If all a non-believer had of us was a
0: video of how we recently handled a conflict, would they
1: accept Christ as their Savior and make a commitment? I'm here tonight to challenge you and for you to understand that resolving conflict is based upon simply this of what He did. And what he's asking us to do. And that is to become a peacemaker. I know it's hard. Conflict is never easy. Especially when it involves a husband and a wife. Or maybe two co-workers. Or maybe siblings. Or maybe a parent to a child. I told you about the conflict last week
0: of a funeral that I did, and I'll repeat it very quickly. I did a funeral for a lady. She had two daughters and several grandchildren. The two daughters had conflict with each other, and the two daughters also had different conflicts with the mother. So when they arrived, families arrived, there were only two sections of chairs. One daughter who's and people who sided with her sat on that side. And the other daughter and the people who sided with her side sat on that side and it was the most
1: heartbreaking
0: thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: And I had to get up and do a funeral knowing that there was so much conflict. So guess what I did? <laughs>
0: I kind of preached a little bit about peacemaking and conflict and whatnot because I felt like there was an open door because they may never hear this again. And, of course, I gave a message on salvation, but I felt like there was an open door.
1: And it was the most gut-wrenching thing I've ever seen of watching these families. They never even talked to each other because of the conflict that had been apparently for years. Let me just kind of land the plane here. In order for us to become a peacemaker, we have to get to know the peacemaker. And there's a big difference between knowing God and knowing of God. To know God, we got to drop the of. In transition from knowing of Him, in transition to knowing Him. How many of you would like to start instituting some of these seeds and becoming a peacemaker? Let me see your hands. Amen. Most everybody. Well, we have to first get to know who the peacemaker is. And that's by giving of our heart to Him. Amen. If you would, just bow your head. If you say, Rob, man, what
0: you're saying is heavy. It's a lot. But I, I want to get to know the peacemaker. I want a relationship with Christ. I've known of Him for a very long time, but I've never had a very intimate, personal relationship with Him. If you would like for me to pray for you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. I want to see anybody in this. thank you, sir.
1: Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being honest and open and
0: willing to meet your peacemaker for the very first time. And so what I want to do is just lead you in a little word of prayer so that you can... Identify who the peacemaker is, but also commit to knowing who he is on a more intimate and personal way. So let's just pray this all together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are my peacemaker. And I want to know you in a personal way. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Accept me into my heart. And I pray, the name of Jesus is above every name. I give you glory and honor tonight for accepting me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. So. We're kind of at a crossroads. I'd like to give you one final scripture because this is the challenge that we face. And here's that final scripture. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, throw these notes away and never do what's required of me to resolve conflict in my workplace and everywhere I go. I just want to be a mean and spiteful person and never reach my capacity. Is that what it says? It says put into practice and the God of peace. Here we go again. He's our peacemaker. We'll be with you. What does it say? It says we got to put this into practice. Amen. No. Give yourself some grace and give the other person some grace. It's going to take some time to learn some techniques, to apply just some simple rules of don't try to figure out the problem, how to listen, when it's the right time to speak, maybe call a timeout, right? Ask God for wisdom. So that's why I did these notes for you so that you can put this into practice. And I'm telling you, like I know that I know, if you plant these seeds, you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. And God is going to begin to do something in you. And then the person who saw the video of you, who you weren't handling conflict too well, they see the new way that you're doing it. Hey, I I, I want to know that, that person you call Jesus they're going to begin to see the difference in you and how you resolve conflict with your employees, maybe your bosses, your co-workers, your spouse. Amen. Y'all got anything out of this the last two Wednesdays? If you would, uh, just stand with me as we pray and conclude and get out of here. Hallelujah. How many of you are willing to take the challenge to put it into practice? I think we can all get some benefit out of this. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank You for this evening. We thank You, Lord, for not just giving us the resources and the tools, Lord, but giving of Your Son, Jesus, who was the ultimate giver of life and who overcame and is our example Of conflict and conflict resolution because of what you did on the cross. And so, Lord, we give you honor tonight and give you praise for showing us, for guiding us to speak, for speaking to us. And we ask, Lord, that we're gonna see conflict handled in a new way, in a different way. We pray your blessing on your people tonight and those that are even watching online. We ask for the blessing of God to be on us. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, thank you all for coming. We will see you guys Sunday.